Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And welcome to the podcast. Uh, if you've been with us a bit, you know uh, we talk about the top legal stories of the week. Uh, too many lawyers. What does that mean? Well, just what it sounds like. There are too many lawyers, doggone it. it at least if they disagree with me. Right, uh, right. But everybody <laughs> has a viewpoint, and, and there are a lot of lawyers who don't agree with each person's viewpoint. So we should have a lot of support for this uh, podcast. Or too many judges or too many legislators. Uh, Connor and I are uh, both lawyers, legal analysts. I'm a boomer libertarian. He is a millennial progressive. And so uh, we try to talk about three topics every week uh, and we play the game. Guess the verdict. America's favorite game. I think I've come up with this solution, by the way, not to interrupt your pitch. I'm guess the verdict. I'm very excited to play guess the verdict later. Uh, I think the solution to too many lawyers Mm -hmm. is to Open fewer up, lawyers? Yeah. Open up the job descriptions for all these non-law jobs so that you don't have any lawyers in them. Judges, they shouldn't have to be lawyers. They should be random people like jury duty off Actually, the street. Actually, I'm not sure that it's required that you be a lawyer. Oh, right. But judge. it's basically required. Yeah, in and practice, so, you in might pra- as well have a requirement. Exactly. And so we should have judge duty just like we have ju- jury duty. And maybe maybe you get like uh, an hour of training before you get to be the judge. <laughs> and then we just tell you kind of how the law should be. I, I have to admit, I haven't been up here on the bench too long, but it sounds like execution's appropriate for, for you, Bill. Uh, so so next case, politicians certainly shouldn't all be lawyers. Hey, Lynn, would you bring in the next defendant? There are, for some reason, every politician is a lawyer, probably because everybody goes to law yeah. school if they're, uh, you know, an evil politician type. And then they can't hack it or don't want to hack it as a lawyer. And so, boom, out into politics they go. We got to stop the the law school to politician pipeline. No more lawyers well, as president. It's an interesting libertarian argument that you oh, just yeah. expressed. Okay. And let me tell you why I think it is libertarian. I mean, it's a little weird and ironic because here I am claiming to be a libertarian. And yet I also say, you know, we got too many lawyers. Libertarians think there shouldn't be a bar exam. There mm-hmm. shouldn't be a right. monopoly because their argument, and it's a serious argument, is that there's this club and society has this cabal, this niche of people who have an interest in making sure only a few people yeah. can become lawyers. Because if you uh, narrow down the pipeline at the end, the funnel, then there aren't that many lawyers to compete against. Right. They say, hey, if somebody is a paralegal, you know, with six months under their belt or basically anybody, they should be able to hold themselves out as a lawyer. And similarly, I, I, you know, some of the hardcore libertarians say, hey. If you want to do a brain transplant on somebody, you shouldn't have to have an MD. Right. That ju- that's unfair competition. Yeah. Well, in, in reality, I, I'm pretty close to uh, being in agreement with them uh, that there is this club, that there is this problem, and that there is uh, our society is worse off for it. However, um, I don't think the solution is to get rid of the bar exam uh, as a legally mandated um, uh a vehicle because the bar exam, while pretty pointless, 
does provide some sort of floor for weeding out people who right. might uh, hold themselves out as scam artists and the uh, as, as lawyers despite being scam artists and that is at least something it is at least something that you can trust the state bar of california because it is backed by the force of law saying look we we have these educational standards and it's 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 pretty straightforward. You just got to pass this test. Uh, I've gone to an accredited school mostly and then ha- pass this test. The The real problem with uh, with law is actually at the higher levels of law. The real problem with that club of people who create, uh, you know, what the legal profession looks like is with that club. It is very exclusive and it is an ex- it's a club that uh, excludes people uh, who don't come from money and prestige and don't have privilege and access. And those people end up not being able to sort of tread the, the, the path of power uh, the way the people who are in the club do and getting rid of the bar exam the absolute bottom of the of the pyramid you know uh, sorry uh, the floor of the of our situation to prevent you know fraud basically that won't actually solve the problem of there being a cabal that runs the country it will just be the people who go to elite law schools and have connections and privilege they will still make all the decisions so the real problem i think is a lot more complicated as is my position on a lot of libertarian <laughs> positions i agree with you yeah let's legalize drugs but <laughs> the problem is actually bigger and more complicated and will take yeah. a well, lot of stuff, including so really, government intervention. Really different problems. One problem is the pure libertarian argument about competition, and the yes. other problem yes. that you isolate is diversity, equity, and inclusion. So this oh, is not been just a hel- that, but you're right. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. Absolutely. Th- this has been a very helpful digression. I yeah, think. absolutely. Uh, I-, I was about to say Connor's going to play I guess the verdict, uh, America's favorite Because oh, we already did the whole show. Where I give him uh, facts of a real-life case, and he gets to guess who won or the outcome. Uh, He's got a pretty good batting average. Uh, We'll get to that at the very end of the episode. So our three uh, topics are, uh, are vaccine mandates legal? Are they going to, vaccines going to get approved this week? Just how far should the government be going in terms of mandating vaccines? And and it's just become a real culture war touchstone. We're also going to talk about whether big tech is invading our privacy. Duh, I guess that's uh, sort of uh, obvious, but uh, we'll sort out the issues there. And finally, should crime victims be able to sue the cops if the cops fall down on the job. Before we get to the issue of vaccines, uh, I have to say that, uh, you know, there's been some unpleasant, unfortunate uh, publicity recently regarding legal analysts, Connor. I don't know if you follow no. this in the news. Yeah. Jeffrey Tubin, the longtime CNN legal analyst, <laughs> right. he got himself into a peck of trouble. A um, couple ple- months back. Pleasuring, guy. Yeah, pleasuring himself on a Zoom call. Ah. He had no idea that he had not turned his camera off. So he says. So he's number one. Yeah. Number two, a few weeks ago, if you're a fan of Fox News, Connor, you know, Judge Andrew Napolitano has mm-hmm. been a staple on that network. A very smart guy, a very good on TV. He was fired for stroking a colleague's arm in the elevator. So oh, now I did hear about said, that. Yeah, he had some awkward yeah. uh, conversation that yeah. went with the stroking. So as he's well. gone, and that's two. It is said, Connor, that celebrities die in threes. <laughs> I believe some folks also have the superstition. Are you walking around legal, on hooks? Where legal analysts get fired for sexual misconduct in threes. And, I mean, here we are, legal analysts. That's true. Don't you think we ought to be really kind of nervous and careful about what we do and there, say? There is such a great 
30 rock episode uh, about the rule of threes where two celebrities die and then tracy jordan is desperately scared <laughs> he's calling up betty white and just asking how she's doing and betty white's going wait a second tracy oh, is, is this a rule of threes call <laughs> i will dance on your grave and she slams the phone down I it's love so it. good that's such a fabulous show that's on my uh, my to-do list is to walk through every single episode somebody else pointed show. out uh, uh somebody said oh man uh 30 rock was so underrated or yeah so it was so underrated and somebody else pointed out, you know, it got nominated for 103 Emmys, right? Wow. I don't know if that counts as underrated, but yeah, it deserved more. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So that's on my list. I've got to walk through it. But first, Connor, I'm going to walk through it. I'm going to watch every single Twilight Zone episode from Where Is Everybody to the Bewitching Pool oh, yeah. and everything in between. Uh, it's That's on my list. Oh, yeah. Uh, final topic before we actually get to the vaccines. Uh, Cleveland Indians name change. Have you heard about the, the little kerfuffle over this? Uh, somewhat. Yeah. Somewhat. So here's the deal. Um, Cleveland Indians have had this name for many, many decades, so probably centuries. And uh, people don't like it because you know, yes. they, they feel it's contrary to the rights and the, and the dignity of uh, indigenous peoples in mm -hmm. North America. So they're going to change it to the Guardians. And people say, well, what the hell? Why, why do you call yourself the Cleveland Guardians? Well, apparently right. there's a statue in Cleveland within hailing distance of the of the stadium. Mm -hmm. And there's this guy standing there. He's the guardian of traffic to treat, keep travelers safe, like those little St. Christopher statues that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. people it's had great. when I was a kid. The, there's the guardian, there's like the guardians of transportation. There's like five of them or four of them or something. Mm -hmm. One's got like a horse and buggy. One's got a train. One's got a bus. They're, they're, they're great. They're like, you know, Cleveland's very into public transport. So what could go wrong yeah. after a year or two of of searching for a proper yeah. new name and countless hours. Oops, a roller derby team in Cleveland has been using it for 10 years and they have a website that bears their name. So the rocket scientists handling the Indians' ridiculous name change oh project has filed an application for a trademark with the Federal Trademark Office. But four days later, the roller derby team filed their own app for the same name. So the Indians filed first, but trademark law says that you you it's a first to use, not first to file rule. Isn't patent and trademark mark? law fun. I love it. And so, you know, there's going to be a huge legal kerfuffle. Why the hell that they can't make a deal? I mean, don't oh, you no, think the Indians no could give enough money to yeah. the roller derby guys yeah, that yeah, they'd yeah. be, you know, rolling in it for the rest <laughs> of their lives? Yeah. Probably roller derby gals, but you never know. There are No, it's, it's, a, guy, it's, it's a, a guy's team. team. Yeah, oh, okay, I, all right. I looked it up on the internet. There we so are. The Indians pitch should be, guys, don't get greedy. You know, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Take a million dollars or we're going to pick another name and we have hundred on our list and you'll have squat yeah. diddly squat seriously all right so let's get to the vaccine issue um, let's do it what can governments do a lot of people are focusing on the issue uh, may the government actually mandate everybody getting a vaccine and you know we've heard a lot about this 1905 u.s supreme court decision that said yes the federal government may mandate every american must get the smallpox vaccine it was seen as a huge horrible problem which it was yeah and, and this is a, a live vaccine if you if you may remember the mm -hmm. uh, the older vaccine technology with smallpox and polio these had serious side effects including with Live vaccines, you mm -hmm. were getting a a a, a yeah, one know, out of a million kids getting right. the Sabin or Salk vaccine, you uh, get either the, the shot or the sugar cube. Disease. You would actually get yeah. polio, and that's yeah. totally different than our modern vaccine technology, which is not live vaccines at all. And in that, and yet you know, we were okay with it with those exactly. 
All right. So so you were saying, Connor, I haven't followed the details on this. Apparently this week uh, we may see an official approval. I mean, it's been yeah, that was an emergency leak. approval of Moderna right. and, and Pfizer and so on. So What's emergency use authorization, EUA, was, saying, was, was granted by the FDA to uh, Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson & Johnson for a while. Uh, it, I believe it was since revoked for J&J. Um, and that allowed them to be giving these out on an emergency use basis to Americans. But it wasn't officially uh, a given the FDA stamp of approval as a safe uh, and, and thoroughly tested vaccine. It was simply a cost benefit analysis of, look, we did a bunch of testing and everything looked good. And the damage from COVID is so bad that we got to get on this. Right. Mm-hmm. But now the the word from uh, from uh, government, uh, the leaks of last week uh, were that this week, maybe even as soon as tomorrow, Monday, the 20, what, third, right. um, we may see Pfizer given actual FDA approval. Moderna's not yet uh, ready, but Pfizer may get the stamp of approval. And a lot of uh, people have uh, have said uh, in government have said, look, we're not going to talk about mandates until things are uh, officially FDA approved. Uh, and then maybe we'll have that conversation again. For example, uh, the U.S. military mandates the use of lots of vaccines, but they don't mandate the use of the, the uh, COVID vaccines uh, because they weren't FDA approved. So now we Having passed, you know, that FDA approval potentially this week, um, we may see every member of the U.S. military required to get the COVID vaccine, the Pfizer version. Who knows? We're not we're not sure what the government's going to do, but this could change the game. And it really is going to bring in um, this question of vaccine mandates. And it's going to take the debate off of um, putting it on individuals and corporations in a in a, a, a in a big way. Right now, everybody's kind of ignoring the fact that the government is there to solve collective action problems and saying, well, as soon as the the Cleveland Guardians and the New York Mets uh, and everybody else decides in order to come into our stadium, you need a shot, uh, then uh, that that's going to change it. That's going to get us to herd immunity. That'll that's be the game change changer. Yeah. Now, we know the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, have, they're the only football team, the only NFL team who have announced that you must have a vaccine to attend a Raiders game. Or in the alternative, you may show up and get the vaccine on site and attend wearing a mask. So that's their, their sort of you know, get you one way or another. If you show up and you aren't don't have your vaccine card, you just get the shot, no problem. And you have to wear a mask this time. But hey, in two weeks, uh, and since we're it's be the good. Raiders, another option would be just to you know have a drive by shooting on your way into the uh, the seats. Uh, sure, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Basically, uh, the same fan base uh, is is it is you know signing up for the Raiders uh, fandom, regardless of what city they're in. When we come back, we're going to talk about legal challenges. Is it a HIPAA violation to uh, force people to disclose their vaccine status? Uh, are the courts going to be uh, okay with mandates if that's the direction we go? But first, Connor is going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, check us out on your podcast uh, platform, whatever that is. I use Podcast Static, but if you've got an Apple uh, a device, you might use uh, Apple Podcasts probably. Um, or if you're on any other uh, device and use Stitcher or Spotify uh, or whatever on your desktop, uh, check us out and hit that subscribe button. Don't just pull it down every episode separately each week. Uh, and, you know, if you uh, if you, you get us on your phone on one platform, maybe pull us up on uh, your desktop on a different platform and leave us a comment uh, because we read them all. We'll be right back. 
This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. I'm Connor Oaks. We're talking about the vaccine, uh, the possibility of a mandate. And uh, Connor was mentioning this coming week we may get official approval uh, for one of the big experimental vaccines. So a lot of people say, this sounds like a HIPAA violation to me. Uh, you know, I'm at the office and they're asking me, you know, if I, I've been vaccinated or, or not. The, the fact is HIPAA, uh, the, the law from the Clinton era that protects your privacy regarding your medical information, it only governs doctors and hospitals. And God bless Clinton companies. for solving the yeah. privacy problem. Well, for workfare was pretty good. Uh, everything else wasn't so oh, good. Okay, but, okay. but anyway, um, so it's it's not really available. If you if you don't like the mandate situation, HIPAA isn't really going to help you uh, with respect to the boss and so on. But as you mentioned, Connor, I mean, there's this really there's this big debate, not only among private uh, businesses, but the government. Do we want to go with the carrot or do we want to go with the stick? Right. And a lot of carrots have been tried. Mm-hmm. Oh, here, here's a marijuana cigarette or here's a lottery ticket or or here's a hundred dollars or here's some donuts, which totally flopped in New York City. So the idea is let's be nice and let's induce people to get the vaccine. And it hasn't worked all that well. And so lurking in the background, because as we talked about a few minutes ago, that the law probably would support a government forcing the mandate lurking in the background is is the stick option. I, I mean, I guess the U.S. Supreme Court has been a little bit friendly to the critics objecting to uh, to COVID uh, rules because they've ruled in favor of religious organizations mm-hmm. uh, several times. Uh, but the fact is, you know, if, if the variant takes hold, uh, we do have that option. The court uh, can just put its foot down and, and approve the mandate if the legislators have uh, the guts to impose them. Yeah, I I agree that the conservatives on the Supreme Court have been very, uh, you know, pro-religious organization and exemption to, you know, universal rules. Like, the, absolutely, that's been a hallmark of, of this of this conservative Supreme Court before even Amy Coney Barrett joined. Uh, the, it was a very important central issue uh, that these, you know, religious orgs get exemptions to things. And these are largely exemptions to things that conservatives don't like. Um That, I think, though, is the difference, because I think there's a different type of conservative that we're talking about that objects to vaccines as opposed to the kind uh, that objects to, uh, for example, uh, taxation, um, which religions want exemption from, or the requirement that they pay for health insurance for their employees that includes reproductive health. Um, That that has enormous overlap because there's the sort of— conservative, uh, like big money interest that wants to limit the amount of, uh, of, uh, of benefit benefits that they have to give to employees by law and the people who have like a religious exception here. We're not talking about something that is a a vaccine mandate is not a, a burden that is placed on employers to have to fund, uh, at expense to them, um, for their employees, which is the case with, you know, you saying you've got to have uh, health care, you got to offer health care to your employees, and you've got to offer health care to your employees uh, that covers everything, including reproductive health, if those employees, uh, you know, have ovaries, right? That is, um, that is uh, an expensive thing for employers. But COVID vaccines aren't expensive. They don't cost any money. And guess what? They're actually going to make employers a boatload of cash because the economy is going to open back up. People are going to keep going out to businesses and buying stuff and getting, you know, our country back to full capacity and everything else. So there are a lot of conservatives out there. I think even the conservatives on the Supreme Court who may be personally very religious, um, but they're not distrustful of institutions uh, 
that in the same way that a lot of uh, the sort of Trumpist type wing of the conservative party at the moment is so distrustful of uh, institutions like the FDA that they will say they will say, well, I, I won't take a, 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 a an experimental vaccine, but I will take an experimental uh, horse and, and cow dewormer right. like I, ivermectin um, uh, off label uh, because, you know, I just I, I'm it's not that I'm afraid of wacky medicines. I don't understand what's in them. I'm just a little literally afraid of the FDA. Speaking of wacky, uh, it's really sad that the culture war uh, has flared up respecting vaccines so that nutcases like Marjorie Taylor Greene has stepped forward. Yeah, uh, she has compared mask mandates to the Holocaust yeah. and vaccine requirements to segregation. And, uh, you know, there's this government idea where government folks would go uh, house to house and, and talk about vaccines and urge people to get them. Yeah. And so she says she's encouraging violence here. She says, Joe Biden wants to come talk to you guys. She's in Alabama. Uh, he's going to be sending one of his police state friends to your front door to knock on the door, take down your name, address, your family members, members names, your phones, your cell, and whether you've taken the vaccine or not. What they don't know is in the South, we all love our Second Amendment rights, and we're not real big on strangers what showing up at our hell? front door. They might not get the welcome they get. So she's being cute. She doesn't realize she's encouraging criminal violence. Yeah, but she shows up at your door and, and let's just kill him because yeah. he's asking about your health. Yeah, she just doesn't care. I mean, it, it's wild to me that the the far right conservatives are so afraid and 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 so, and so aware of the of the fear created by the notion of a police state and yet are also the ones who are so pro police the ones who uh, want to place the the discretion to end somebody's lives in the hands of police but then turn around and admit by saying oh isn't the police state scary that that is a scary thing that has to be really carefully taken seriously and paid attention to and that the monopoly of force uh, the monopoly on the use of force in our society is something that is you know sacrosanct and has to be treated so so delicately and and policed so so well i mean it, it it's it's horrifying to me that that they she seems to be one of the of the type that has no understanding of the dual dangers she's proposing they, you know they want to throw around the use of violence when it confirms their political beliefs which is of course the scariest thing in the history of humanity it's it's horrifying when we come back we're going to talk about big tech how much uh, do they know about you what can they do with the information stick with us on too many lawyers This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So big tech, uh, they know a whole lot about us, Connor. Sometimes uh, we absolutely know what we're doing. They ask for uh, disclosure, permission, and so on. But it's kind of scary. I mean, when you think about who out there in cyber world has your name and your address, your emails, your text messages, your, your call logs, all of this stuff... Uh, seems to be floating around. Now, it's available to law enforcement under some circumstances. They can subpoena people. I mean, the U.S. government agencies and prosecutors can issue a subpoena after a judge approves it. Uh, civil lawyers uh, in civil cases, they don't even need a judge to approve it. They can uh, just go ahead and issue subpoenas uh, in getting your phone records and, and your texts and your emails and so on. Sometimes you get pushback. Apple and Microsoft sometimes refuse to, to send records. Um, the government can try to get the judge to, to overrule that. But, you know, we saw in that, that terrorist shooting several uh, years ago in Southern California in the Inland Empire, uh, we we're trying to open up an Apple iPhone and uh, get information. And the, the government was uh, asking Apple to help. And Apple was saying, no, we're just not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's I think people are really worried about invasion of privacy. But the other side of the coin is, you know, sometimes law enforcement has uh, legitimate objectives. I mean, I, I think that that 
the the difference between um, the post terrorist San Bernardino attack um, and Apple saying, no, we're not going to build a new version of our software with a government backdoor into it. The fact that they were there and that now in 2021, a couple of years later, we're in the world where um, Apple and LinkedIn and Facebook and T-Mobile all have major data breaches in the last year, and they all respond the same way, which is to say now they just don't even admit that there was a breach. They claim that the data was public uh, or that they claim that the part of the data was public. Um, and they've sort of like the big tech um, response to data breaches has evolved. And it is it is frightening. I mean, I strongly w- was in favor of Apple keeping its software the way that it it, it was uh, bef- after that San Bernardino mm-hmm. uh, attack and uh, was against government's um, attempt to build in a backdoor. I think that, you know, the, the the libertarians among us would probably also join me in that because libertarians care about privacy. And they think that having the government, you know, be able to reach in and and, uh, and once there's a backdoor built, reach in in every circumstance. We, we've learned in the, the post-2001 um you know, surveillance state that we've built uh, in the last 20 years, that whenever government has the possibility, law enforcement, uh, the DOJ, whoever else has the, the the possibility, the ability to reach into Americans' data uh, and also non-Americans' data and spy on them, they will do it. And so it, it is really frightening that we allow tech companies to collect effectively infinite data all of the data that we have on every every, we give them you know our social security numbers uh and we trust somehow that they're going to keep them safe and then when they don't keep them safe um we they we accept for example after t-mobile uh four days ago said that uh, a data breach affected more than 40 million people uh it was a ransomware attack um and that means you're just going to get I mean, 40, 40 million people, right? For, 40 million people is, it, it's, that's 10% of the U.S. Right. One, one breach, one breach of one company shared more than 10% of all Americans' social security numbers, dates Amazing. of birth, and names, and driver's license, uh, driver's license numbers all together. So not only do they have a random social securities, they have your name, your date of birth, your SSN, and your driver's license number all connected to one another together. More than one in 10 Americans. And what did T-Mobile say? Well, uh, we'll give you three months really, of credit really sorry. monitoring. Yes. Three months of credit <laughs> monitoring. So, you know, you, yeah, your your social security number, driver's license, name, and date of birth connected all together are now plain text, clear text, meaning on totally unencrypted on the, on the internet now. But... Um, if somebody tries to steal your identity in the next three months, you'll at least know that it's happening. After that, we're not going to pay for that, obviously. You know, there's an easier solution. Just put everybody in the witness protection program and give them new socials. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Well, honestly, I'm going to write that one in. The real answer is stop using social security numbers as a personal identification uh, tool at all because there's no built-in encryption in a social security number. They're literally just sequential like you just go you just you add one digit to your social security number at the end it's probably somebody else's social security number which is completely bonkers like you can build numbers that are self-verifying like credit card numbers have you know verification built into them you know you add up the digits in uh, certain digits in visa and mastercard numbers and all this they add up to certain numbers or say the first five numbers add up to the 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 next three numbers things like that so you can't just tick up one number and get a new credit card number and then use that to buy something online because credit card companies numbers 
uh, our credit card numbers are built to be safe, like inherently, because otherwise companies would lose bajillions of dollars. But they don't actually care about people's identities being compromised by using social security numbers. So ever since the Social Security Administration started issuing random numbers to, to connect to, to American citizens, everybody's like, oh, well, let's just use that as an identifier. It explicitly, by the way, by law, should not be. There's a law in the U.S. that says that the part of the Social Security Administration law that says don't use this as a personal identifying number because it doesn't have any sort of encryption built into it at all. And that's very dangerous. And then the entire country was just like, psych, because we don't have a national ID program. Let's just do this because, oh, my God, it was so much easier just to use an existing system. You know, you sound a whole lot like Russell Crowe in, in A Beautiful Mind, only without all that schizophrenia. Well, no guarantees there. Okay. Um, (laughs) So last topic, should crime victims be able to sue? And this is a a tragic story in the city of Atlanta. uh, Eight-year-old girl was gunned down by a group of vigilantes. So here's the story. Last year, a man named Rayshard Brooks was fatally shot by the cops next to a Wendy's in Atlanta. Uh, Protesters gathered at the scene, and for a month, vigilantes took over the area around the restaurant, barricading the streets. Cops did nothing to stop the occupation. So the family of uh, the little eight-year-old girl uh, trying to drive home, approached the barricade. They didn't. They got kind of got lost. Shots were fired. Little girl was killed. The family is now suing the city of Atlanta and the police chief for doing nothing to prevent the violence. And the suit says that the tragedy is a symptom of the city's skyrocketing crime problem, which it has. 2020 was the deadliest year in Atlanta in two decades. And we've seen occupation in parts of Portland and uh, Seattle. And that's also led to litigation against city officials. So from where you're sitting, Connor, uh, you have uh, any sympathy for a lawsuit by this family against the cops uh, for allowing, allegedly allowing this fatal uh, incident to occur? So I am lawsuits against cops for their, you know, failure to do something or even for their their actions um, uh, run into a couple of big problems. One of those big problems is that uh, in the U.S. we have something called qualified immunity and qualified Which immunity. We talked about on the show several yeah, months ago. Or QI. QI uh, is a special protection that cops and police departments have where that you say if the cop was doing his job, uh, then you can't sue him uh, for it. Yeah, and, and the her. variation on that is essentially the courts are saying unless prior courts mm-hmm. have explicitly recognized that the type of alleged police misconduct in this case was previously declared to be suable, uh, a proper outside subject of, of the suit, court's job, in the, the past, cop's job. Yeah, unless there's a past precedent saying this kind of cop activity justifies the suit, without that background, then yeah. the qualified immunity doctrine protects the cops yeah. and lets them get the suits dumped. Exactly. And that is really, really tricky because then courts that generally don't like uh, to, to hold cops accountable for stuff will say things like, well, in no previous case have we... He broke the left arm. Yeah. We've only got right arm Ex- breaks. Exactly. Yeah. In, in no previous case, on an autumn Tuesday after Afternoon, did a cop who was smoking a cigarette out the left side of his mouth had to be a punch, Chesterfield, right? Punch a, a, a protester who was protesting about climate change, uh, and therefore uh, it's all of that except he punched a protester who was pro- protesting about abortion, and so it's it's totally different. Look, th- that is a huge problem in in holding cops accountable. Of for course, their the mistakes. appellate courts stand ready to reverse a silly ruling like the Chesterfield ruling. Yes, yes, and they they don't often enough, but they they are at least that is the the next step in the process. But even outside of qualified immunity, there is uh, there's another case that uh, you guys uh, out there in in podcast listener land may have heard about uh, because it got a lot of press uh, in in the last couple of years. Everything from, you know, uh, major news websites to to uh, to 
you know, just sort of curiosity news coverage. Um, there was a guy named Joe Lozito um, who was in New York, who was on a subway train in 2011. And a uh, there were the cops were trailing a suspect who they thought was a, uh, a, a crazed, you know, serial stabber. And so the the cops who who are trailing the the guy who they think is a crazed serial stabber, um, who turns out shocker he is. Um, he that guy gets on a, a subway train, and the cops radio the cops who are uh, other cops who are already on the subway train, and they say he, he just got on the train with you, and we're going to meet you at a future stop. Um, so so we think we think he's there, and uh, the cops who are on the train uh, see the suspect. They go into the uh, the conductor's car at the front of the train, and they uh, it has a glass door, and they lock themselves in the conductor uh, conductor's car and watch uh, the the suspect. The suspect who suspects that those cops are onto him and who he is and that he's being trailed wants to get a few more stabbings in before yeah, he gets caught. Exactly. So he pulls out his knife and stabs a guy in the face and then tries to stab another person. And this guy, Joe Lozito, ends up being stabbed a bunch of times um, and trying to to fight him off. Meanwhile, the cops who've got guns and, you know, handcuffs and and body armor and all this stuff that they've got are have locked themselves in the conductor car and they uh, look into the glass window and they don't open the door. And what's their excuse? Their excuse is. We don't have an affirmative duty to go out and stop crimes. Hello? Nobody. They're insane if they say that. They, and they won. The The court said, you're right. Cops, the trial court? The trial said court that? said. What did the appellate court uh, say? The appellate court uh, uh, upheld it. The, and what did the Supreme Court say? The Supreme say? Court of yeah. the U.S. upheld it. They said, you cops do not have an affirmative duty to uh, save any individual person from any crime. Well, that's nutty. That's just, it just totally violates common sense. Of course it totally And morality and everything. So how in the sense. world does every level of the court system approve that the guys sitting there uh, chewing juicy fruit and, and cleaning their guns while they see this guy stabbing people? It's totally crazy. The case is called DeShaney versus Winnebago and another called Town of Castle Rock versus Gonzalez. The Supreme Court ruled that police agencies are not obligated to provide protections of citizens. Police are well within their rights to pick and choose when to intervene to protect the lives and property yeah, of others. A, that's a fine general principle, but when the facts are so egregious like this, how in the world could the courts apply that doctrine here? I mean, I've seen cases in in the non-police context where you're working at the 7-Eleven, yeah. and there's a com- commotion and a kerfuffle out right. in the lot, and you see a, a bunch of guys are beating up some little old lady. And right. so the guy does nothing. Yes. And so the court comes down with a ruling that essentially says the 7-Eleven guy, uh, he could get his lawn chair and set it up just mm-hmm. outside the mm-hmm. front door and, uh, you know, get a Slim Jim that yep. he stole from the inventory <laughs> and watch as yep. a spectator to the beatdown. And the only crime is the Slim Jim theft. Right. He, he, he has no obligation to either intervene, right. Right. which would put himself at risk, yes. or call the cops. So now, major- you can understand maybe <clears throat> a, a citizen doesn't have a lot of obligation right. to say, I'm going right. to go Jack Bauer on these people. Yeah. But in your situation, we're Cops, just going to look armor, more stabbers. deeply into this, and we may have to write some letters to the judges. Yeah, Connor. well, the answer in this case is that it, it's an extrapolation from those general principles of, well, it, what if when a crime is committed, then the victim of that crime gets to say, cops, you should have prevented this crime. And the cops go, what do you want us to do? Patrol every street every single day, every single second. We don't have the money to put a cop on every corner. We can't stop every single crime. So you can't sue us just because you were the victim of yeah. a crime. Well, and then you change idiotic. the facts and move them closer and closer and closer and closer until the cop is standing there behind a glass door protecting himself, themselves, there were multiple of them, 
trailing a guy who they knew was a serial what, what stabber. About, what and about the discipline? Supreme Court still says no. They don't have a duty uh, to save you. And what about discipline? Uh, you know, good practices. Wouldn't the police chief be justified firing the guys that sat there That's picking, a really their, picking good their teeth? Maybe I don't know. I mean, the cops, the, the, the police chief isn't going to do that because the police chief loves the idea. If I were the police me. chief, I would. <laughs> well, they, that's why you're not a police chief. That's true. It's just not going to happen. No. Nope. All right. We've arrived at the guess the verdict stage of uh, this uh, here. My podcast. favorite part. The yeah. most nerve wracking, but still. So best. I, I'm going to give Connor uh, some facts and see if he can uh, okay. guess uh, who won, who lost and so on. Okay. Pretend to be a lawyer. Pretend to be a lawyer. Pretend to be a lawyer. Pretend to be a, a lawyer. A very elderly lawyer for an accused drunk driver asks to view the videotape that the cops took when they arrested his client on the highway. And it was probably a real embarrassing show. Odds are, the, yeah, odds are the, good if they took a video and, and it's coming up in court and the guy's on yeah. trial. Yeah, it's probably he's probably very drunk in this video. Okay. So the bailiff hands the videotape to the codger lawyer and he tells him, hey, you can watch the tape there in the jury room. Uh, there's a VCR in there. So 15 minutes later, uh, the bailiff walks in and sees the videotape lying in a microwave oven with the codger lawyer pressing the buttons pretty much at random. Oh, my God. He's the videotape is gonzo. Oh the lawyer is arrested for destroying evidence. Spoliation. Connor, uh, what do you think? Well, how would you guess the verdict on this one? I don't understand. He destroyed the video. He obviously... Mm-hmm. He can't do that. That's not allowed. What? What's... Final answer? No, what's the wrinkle? I don't get it. Well, I guess you're about to find out the wrinkle here. If that's your guess, that's okay. I'd say I'm not criticizing. Yeah, that's my guess. He's guilty of spoliation. Not destroyed- guilty. Not guilty. Why? The judge said, in all fairness, the microwave does look a little like a television. And I believe it was an, oh my int- God. an intent crime. You had to have the specific oh intent. Oh, my God. He's to- that old. Yeah. You're saying he's so old. This and is Now so the guy old. is free to dra- drive drunk again. The, 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 the lawyer is so old, he, he didn't recognize a VCR. Mm-hmm. That would mean that he's like 105. Back in the Taft administration, when oh the my God. lawyer was born, there weren't any VCRs, okay? And there my, wasn't any drunk driving because there weren't any cars. My almost perfect record is destroyed. <laughs> You're still batting over 750, oh. which is way better than even Ty Cobb. That's pretty good. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week on Too Many Lawyers. Oh, by the way, next week, uh, the guest the verdict, I'm going to a little tease here. The guest mm. the verdict has to do with a Pentecostal preacher uh-huh. who goes off the rails. Love it. See you next my week. My favorite.